Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Is Lee Gath. Lee joins me on the phone. Good afternoon to you, Lee. How are you, Niall? Um, I suppose when you when you listen to the last hour and we're all talking about congestion charges and, you know, changing from tolls to motor tax and all sorts of things, you're saying to yourself, you think you have it bad. Because I got your email. I, now, I didn't purposely didn't want to read all your email because Ruth said to me, did you read that email from Lee? And I said, I read some of it and she kind of filled me in on some of it. I said, look, I tell you what, I don't want to know the rest of it because I want to hear the story from your mouth, Lee. But just to let people know, you're a thalidomide survivor. And for those who don't know what the thalidomide was, of course, it was a drug that was given to women back in the 1950s and 60s uh, to deal with morning sickness. So of course, unfortunately, the eventuality of that was that 10,000 children around the world were born with severe deformities, uh, without arms, without legs or shortened limbs. And you've been in that situation, of course, all your life. And now, because you want your independence and you want a car and you are driving a car, uh, you're being financially penalised. So fill me in on what's happened, Lee, up to date. All right. I've been driving since I was 17 and uh, I'm 60 now. Um, I had my last van for nine years and after nine years things started to go a bit wrong. So As they, they do, yeah. Um, so I thought now is the time to think about changing Now this was two years ago that I started looking. Um, much to my horror, first of all, I discovered that Chrysler no longer are built in Europe, and so I couldn't get the Chrysler I'd been driving for years. So I had two options, either a Volkswagen Caravelle or a Mercedes people carrier, because they're the only two vehicles that will accommodate my wheelchair and my disability that are not all electric. Yeah. And the reason I can't drive an electric vehicle is because the batteries take up most of the underfloor of an electric vehicle. So there's and nowhere so to put the ramp, I imagine, then? Nowhere to put the ramp or the lift, nowhere to put it, or nowhere to flatten out the floor. for the. Is, is that, by the way, just, just to interrupt you, is that a, another thing that we have overlooked in this world where we don't take into consideration people with disabilities and the production of electric cars? We've kind of overlooked this idea of where the ramp has to go. People with disabilities are never taken into consideration. Well, I'll, I'll come to that in a few minutes, by the way. I'll come um, to that. Yeah, well, yeah. that was an afterthought. Um, but yes, it is. And I know that in the UK, there have been groups of people with disabilities have been talking to manufacturers and going, you know, what about us? Yeah. And it was something that they hadn't given a lot of thought to. But um, this is going to affect a lot of people going down the road, so it is that particular thing because, um, like, 10 years' time, even the buses for the day services, you know, even wheelchair taxis. Is there many? I don't even think there's enough wheelchair taxis anyway. Well, not not everybody, there's some very good wheelchair taxi drivers, I have to say, but they're very, very difficult to get. They're like gold, especially at night. You can't go out with your friends at night because... You'll end up walking home. I went to an Elton John concert <clears throat> back last September, I think it was, with my son yep. in Cork. And we ended up, we got a wheelchair taxi there. The taxi driver said, when the concert's over, this whole road's blocked off. But walk up towards town and then call me and I'll come get you. I thought, okay, yeah. thank you. Um, when I called, the company had no wheelchair taxis on that night uh, with 
quarter of a million people in Cork and like no wheelchair taxis. So, what so did, we ended up what walking. What did you do? Pardon me. What did you do? We ended up walking two hours. It was like six, seven kilometres back to our hotel. And and when you say walking, obviously you're using your wheelchair, which is obviously limited yeah. in its battery power. And my son walking. Luckily enough, has a fairly good chair that'll do 30 kilometres on the okay. charge. Okay, well, get, well, getting back to your car. So so the situation is you, okay. you, you needed a Mercedes or you needed a car that would allow a ramp to be used yeah. and, and one that would allow you to get in and out of it, of course, as well, in your yeah. chair. So I opted for a Caravel, a Volkswagen Caravel, okay. which was perfect. Um, I opted for that. Um, it took a year before it was manufactured in Germany. Um, that's where they're built. And then transported to the UK where the modifications are done for me. Right, okay. Um, there is nobody in Ireland with the expertise to do the modifications I need on my vehicle. So those those modifications include obviously putting a ramp into it so you can drive straight into it. Um, also having the controls, i.e. the clutch, the brake and everything else that needs be, um, or not the clutch, there wouldn't be a clutch, it'd be an automatic, of course. There'd be a brake and, and steering. The steering needs to be modified for you to use it. I'm, I'm assuming you use, or how do you use the steering? Is it? I, I just use a regular steering wheel. So they, um, my little wings are stronger than what they look. <laughs> So um, I have hand controls. I have a lift on the side of the van. I have hand controls. I have a six-foot seat, which switches on the seat, move it up and down, back and forward, and swivel it around 45 degrees to let me get onto the seat right. from my wheelchair. I have the ignition has been redirected to the door of the car because I couldn't reach the ignition. Um the gear selector, even though it's automatic, you have to be able to change from drive yeah, to from park to reverse and, and forward but drive. Yeah. So there's a modification on that as well. So, so where that, where's that put beside the steering wheel for you? Is it? Uh, no, it's it, it actually on the caravels. It actually comes high up beside the steering wheel, so it just had to be have a, a, a modification on it. Yeah. But um, all of those modifications, like. Uh, it's under the scheme, the Disabled Drivers and Passengers Scheme in Ireland, that will be classed as a heavily modified van. Um, so I qualified, uh, because of all qualified, um, for the allowance. Now, the allowance is up to €22,000 for a heavily modified van. But because I brought it in from the UK, they they spent the twenty two thousand on the BRT, which left me an extra. They're now trying to charge me an extra twenty three thousand one hundred in VAT. Are you not exempt from that because of the type of vehicle it is and because of your disability? Are you not exempt? No, nobody with a disability is exempt from VAT or VRT and yeah. an allowance. They used it all up. That was their choice. They used it all up on the VRT. They're charging me an astronomical amount of money for importing the vehicle, which if I had a choice, I would say, fair enough, I chose to go to the UK. But I did not have a choice because... They're the, the only vehicles available to you. Yeah. yeah. And the so so let me be clear, okay? I, I want to be clear about this. So 
that's on top of the 22,000 they charged it in VRT. The VAT is 23,100 as well, on yeah. top of your VRT, because yeah. you imported the vehicle from the UK, because yeah. you had no choice, because that vehicle, that modified vehicle, wasn't available to you here. Yeah. That's bonkers. It's absolutely madness. Now, so how much is the vehicle from start to finish stand, you know? Uh, around 90,000. Ah, stop. Where are you and going it, to get the 90,000, um, that's, that's without the extra 23,000 on top of it. I mean, I, I know you'd quite happily drive a small car if that was available to you. Or you, or you could do it. Actually, <laughs> I know. would be my choice. I would love that. Absolutely. So what I'm saying is, I mean, and you're retired as well, by the way. You only retired in November, I believe. I did. Yeah. So, I mean, €90,000 was very hard to come by. That's not the kind of money we all have in our back pocket or whatever it happened, we happen to keep our money. €90,000. And all because they won't exempt you from the VAT and they won't exempt you from the VRT, which I believe you should be. Uh, and you, uh, you did say you qualify for the €22,000 allowance. Now, here's the other crazy that gets crazier as it goes on. Here's the other crazy thing. For anybody with a disability who needs any equipment to have them more independent, like, for instance, a wheelchair or a hoister, anything like that, you're exempt from VAT but not for a car. Now, the fact that there's very little public transport in rural areas, as um, Minister Healy Ray was talking about, there's very little. Um, as well as that, you know, wheelchair taxis are an astronomical price. So an awful lot of people with disabilities have never driven, not because they're not capable of it, but because of the extortionate amount they're being charged on top of what other people would be charged. See, the, the whole purpose of VAT was a value-added tax for luxury items, right? And, and you, as you rightly said, you're exempt from VRT or VAT when it comes to items that you need for your disability in the home, your hoist or whatever it is. So in other words, what they're saying to you is that this car is a luxury item. But, it's, it's, but not, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity for you. Yep, Absolutely. And I would challenge anybody in the Green Party if they could come up with a smaller vehicle that I could drive. Or a bicycle. Or a bicycle. Or a bicycle. <laughs> or a bicycle. I, was, I was laughing at that one. Jesus, yeah, let me hop on the bicycle. But, uh, and my husband also uses a wheelchair. So for me to get both wheelchairs in the van if we're going on a family trip, I So both of you were in wheelchairs, you and your husband? We're both the little men's riders. That's and and there's no exemption for you. In they're still happy to take that VRT and that VAT and the import taxes off you. Well, you can sing for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so have you? Have you? You haven't got the vehicle yet. I have. Oh, you have the vehicle now, but over. you still owe the taxes, do you? I I still owe the twenty three thousand one hundred. I'm not allowed to get an Irish number plate until I pay. So it. you're driving on a British number plate. Yeah, and uh, and I was laughing at that guy saying, "Yeah, these people importing the vehicles oh, with a British number plate." I, I thought that was hilarious. So the law, okay. So the laws in relation to British number plates is you have thirty days, according <laughs> to the law. Uh, you have 30 days to re-register it and for every day you go over that there's a fine from the Revenue Commissioner. Isn't that the way yeah. they work it? And as well as um, uh, customs or the guards can seize the vehicle at any time. Unless you can prove you're a British resident. Yeah. Yeah, which you're not. Which you're <laughs> Unless not. you want to change your identity tomorrow as well, by the way. <laughs> so, so uh, have we, have we, are we past the 30 days now? 
30 days finished at the end of November. Right. So, so you're, I, in, you're into a fair bit of fines now, according to the revenue commissioners. But I don't yeah, think I don't think you're going to pay it, Lee. They haven't actually sent me a letter telling them how much I owe them. As yet. I say but I it, say this, by the way, in, a, in the greatest with the greatest respect to you. But I think it would be hilarious to see a customs officer stop you and say, can you get out of the vehicle that we're going to impound it on you and leave you and your husband at the side of the road in your wheelchair? That I'd would like be horrendous. I'd, I'd love to see him being able to drive it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he wouldn't be able to drive. <laughs> he certainly wouldn't. It's so, have you have you met? Have you met with any of the ministers yet? Well, here's the problem: the Doyle has obviously been on holidays since the end of November. Yeah, they do like their holidays. In fairness, oh, they do, and they're not back until Monday because um, I have been calling the Department of Finance pretty much every day since the first week in December and nobody even answers the phone. Right. Nobody, their switchboard answers, the Dolly switchboard answers, um, they try to put me through. Myself and the switchboard operator are now on first game terms, we'll invite each other to wedding terms, you know, yeah. because we've become so close over talking to them for so long <laughs> over the last month or two. But uh, nobody else will answer the phone in the Department of Finance. And when I call the Department of Transportation, because I think it goes across a couple of different departments, Eamon Ryan should have some responsibility on this, but I was told by his staff that Eamon Ryan has nothing to do with transportation. And I had to go back to very basic system, and I said to the girl, so who is the minister responsible for transportation? And she said, Minister Ryan. And I said, who do you work for? And she said, Minister Ryan. And I said, therefore, help me along here. Yep. You work for the man. Obviously, he's responsible. Oh, well, you know, I'll ask somebody to call you back. Now, but he's got to pass the book to the Minister for Finance because it's not his responsibility, the, the money you're Finance being charged. I'm going to pass the book to uh, Roderick O'Gorman's office. Um, who's going to pass the book to Anne Rabbit, who does not make the decisions regarding... Maybe they could all have a little Zoom meeting together later on today to to decide (laughs) whose responsibility it is to waiver you uh, or waiver anybody with a disability these ridiculous charges. I think they'd be more inclined to have a meeting to say um, whose responsibility can be waived. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because it's like, not, let's be clear about it, the, the people in the revenue commissioners who are charging you this money, it's not their responsibility. They no, don't make the laws, right? No, they're being told by the Minister for Finance. Yes, of course. They don't make the laws. So they, no. they, they, as much as the person on the end of the phone would love to say, look, I'm sorry, we, we're not going to charge you or we're going to waiver that for you or whatever it is. They can't because that's not their job. That'll help. So it's up. To, I, I, I believe the book stops obviously with the minister for finance because he's so the one. I. Yeah, he's the one who makes those those laws or can waiver those uh, those laws in relation. I, to I have my reason for calling the Department of Finance. By the way, was to see would it be possible for me to set up a meeting with one of his advisors because I know that I wouldn't be way important enough for somebody who thinks they're important to have a meeting with. I think you're so, very important, by the way, can I just point out? Thank you very much. Yeah. But uh, um, I, I, like, I was calling to ask for, I've also sent several emails, by the way, none of them have even been acknowledged. 
um, none of them have been acknowledged. When our local TV uh, sent went, went to the revenue commissioners on my behalf, um, like you said, it's not their responsibility. They just sent them back a copy and paste um, computer-generated letter on a family owned 23,000. So, like, you know, he didn't get anywhere either. Um, but at least I spoke to him. I've, I've loads of people, by the way, texting in here, uh, sympathising with you. Somebody says, she's right. Oh, you're right, man. She should be exempt from BRT. She should be. Somebody said, can we set up a GoFundMe? <laughs> well, I see, I, but here's the thing. I think if you did set up a GoFundMe tomorrow, you'd probably get enough money. But I think that, that defeats the purpose, doesn't it? That, that is not the point. The, but thank you very much for thinking of me, whoever that was. But no, that is not the point. This is not about me. This is about people with disabilities who drive. And for people that have to go outside the country to get their vehicles because nobody here has the expertise to modify, there's probably less than 10 people in the whole country that need to do this. Yeah. I I, know, know, by the way, in relation to the... I think there's 40 people in Ireland with thalidomide. Is it it 40? uh, No, there's 28 survivors. Oh, it's only 28. No, there was, across the world at the time, 10,000 people were yeah. born with thalidomide. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and I know there was a compensation payout many years ago, but of course that was based on the cost of living at the time. Not, was, not married, there Yeah. Wasn't. Okay, so, and I know the association over here has met recently with the Taoiseach. I think last year was it they met with the Taoiseach in relation to some sort of compensation to be paid out to the survivors. Over 10 years, and yeah. which is absolutely appalling as well. Yeah. But, um, but besides that, you know, if like I want, I I'm living in a world that's not designed for me. No, of course. Not. I I have. Struggled. I don't know what it's Lee. You know, do you know what I did? Going back about seven years ago, I remember one of my producers at the time said to me, "You know, why don't we do an experiment and that I would go around in a wheelchair for one day to see what the world is like to, to have a wheelchair?" But. At the time, we were thinking, well, maybe that's a bit disrespectful that I shouldn't do that either, that, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the right thing for me to do either. But I don't think most of us, including me, we take the world for granted, uh, the world around us, which Absolutely. is designed for able-bodied people, essentially. Uh, and I do understand that it's a, people with disabilities are a minority and they're but in the minority. When, when, when you live with a disability, the reality of life is 75% of people with disabilities are unemployed. And they're even with third level education. And they're unemployed because the Department of Health is not giving the HSE enough money in order to give the people the PA hours that they need to be able to get support to go to work, like get up in the morning. I think Ireland, I think we rank as the worst country in Europe for employment for people with disabilities. Oh, absolutely. Then you go from employment to if you want to socialise. A lot of wheelchair taxi drivers will not take wheelchairs in their cabs, especially at night, because if they could have two furs gotten in the time that it takes them to put the tie downs into their taxi, yeah. um, to put you into the taxi, to put the seatbelt on you and take you home. And how like, do you, how, but Lee, how do you think, let's say that one simple problem we have, right, in relation to taxis, because you are right, the taxi driver's thinking to himself, if I stop here now for Lee, I could stop up the road here and take four people in the car and I could do two exactly. runs. So, how do you arrest that problem? Because that's human nature. How do you arrest that? Do you do you subsidise that? Do you give the taxi a subsidy then for taking you in? And or or, or, or how do you do it? That their licence was like, could be wrong, and I'm sure that 
if Hattie Driver will call in serious with me, but um, I'm pretty sure that the licenses are the, you know, the license they have to have. If you're a wheelchair taxi, I'm pretty sure it doesn't cost as much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. There were giving them out there going back a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I think there was a whole incentive for, for people to get larger cars, and they were given a license much cheaper than everybody else. I'll give you an example that I had in Dublin, our capital city. I was up uh, several years ago at the Free Arena with my goddaughter. We went to see the Eagles. Now, at the end of the concert, when, before we went up, the only hotel that we could get was out in Bells Bridge. So when we came out, we thought, well, we'll walk on up here towards town and be able to get a wheelchair taxi. So naivety. So we started walking. The concert led out at about 10.30. At half one, we, we were sitting in juries on the keys because... Um, we had just uh, we didn't know what else to do, and we wanted to get in out of the cold. And we were sitting in there, and the person on the desk had called just about every wheelchair taxi that he knew of in Dublin. None of them would come out for us. And then and a regular taxi driver pulled up outside, and I went out and I said to him, "Do you know any wheelchair taxi drivers?" And he says, "I do. Yeah. Uh, I'll call the company and have them from somewhere else." Yeah. And I said, "Great, brilliant." He said, give me your phone number, they can contact you directly. So this guy calls me, not with an Irish accent, and certainly not with a Dublin accent, and says to me, oh, it's a, I can't take you because it's going to take me a long time to get to you. And I said, well, where are you? And he says, down a bit. And I said, oh, for God's sake, you know. And it, so he did come for me. He did. He took us back to our hotel which we got back to at 2 in the morning. Anyway, and he took us back to the hotel, um, and he said, I got chatting to him on the way back, and he said to me, I was just going to go home, and he said, I'm not coming to get you, because I thought you did, you wouldn't know where anywhere was, because you don't have a Dublin accent. Oh, God. And I said, same could be said about you, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but can I, can I ask you, you know, and I have no understanding of how your life operates, no more than I suppose you've never had an understanding of how an able-bodied person life operates. But can I ask, do you think things have changed? I mean, you're retired now, um, and you've been on this planet quite a while. I don't want to be giving away your age, but you've been on this planet quite a while. And so in the last 20 or 30 years, you know, the difficulties of, you know, operating your life as a disabled person... Has it got any better? It has. Um, not as good as it could have gotten, but it has. Myself, I've been married twice. Myself and my first husband moved over to Texas in 1995 because it was in Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland were so inaccessible for me. Mm. Was it better in America? Much better. I and, and I and you know what? I've noticed that too. Even when I went, but in Florida, I noticed there was a person and they were a wheelchair user. They had electric wheelchair, and he was working in Walmart. He was out in the car park collecting the trolleys. You know, as people that collect yeah. the trolleys, and he was a wheelchair user. And it wasn't a bother. They had this gadget for him. It was like a mechanized machine that he would connect the trolleys to, and he had his own wheelchair which he connected to that. 
and he could go around collecting the trolleys and do a job of an able-bodied person in his wheelchair. Of course. Of course. Um, but um, I've worked all my life when I was 17 and the last November I have never been out of work. Yeah. But So, um, you know, anybody can work if they want to and if the will is there to let them have the opportunity to. But the point I was making is they adapted the job and it probably costs money to do that but they adapted the job for a person who is disabled. But here, you know, it, it's a vicious circle. There's not the PA services to get, let, allow somebody to get up in the morning, get a shower, get their breakfast and get out the door to work and maybe get driven to work. There's not that opportunity. Employers, I don't think, are very, they're a bit reluctant to employ people with disabilities because obviously we're all sick and we learn, we'll never be in the job. Um, I think that also then there's the case of socialising because when people leave work in the evening, sometimes they'll go and have a drink or sometimes they'll go and have a meal or whatever. Can't do that because you've got to be home for seven o'clock for your PA. To so, 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 is there a preconceived notion in employers' heads that you are all useless and you're not going to do the job as well as someone who's able-bodied and you're just going to be an inconvenience? Is that a preconceived notion in their head? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should ask me. Just you <laughs> about me for the last eight years. <laughs> you're just going to be a thorn in my side. I often wonder: is that a preconceived notion by employers when it comes to people with disabilities and not taking that chance and giving people opportunities? Yeah. Well, you know, even if they are given an opportunity, they can't always take it up because, like I said, they can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Perhaps, or can't get showered, or can't. Get help getting dressed, and then they've got to be like in a lot of places in Ireland. If you have a disability and you use a, um, a PA or a carer, as some people know them as, you have to be in bed at seven o'clock at night. An adult in bed at seven o'clock at night because a lot of the companies won't work beyond eight o'clock because then they have to pay the staff time and a half. No, that's not really fair, so is we're it? Just, we're, like, we're, we're cash cows for the yeah. state, really. Um, and that's what, who, that's what it is. But um, with my own vehicle, back to my own vehicle, like, and the other people that I've come across as well that have had to pay astronomical amounts of money on the VAT for their vehicles when they bring them in because of their very significant disabilities. Um, they paid because they didn't want to get into trouble. I don't care if I get into trouble. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope you don't get into trouble, Lee, and I don't think you will get into trouble because I think there's too many people on your side. But the problem... If you, by the way, if you get a fine from the Revenue Commissioner and somebody comes knocking at your door looking for the money, I want you to come onto the radio station live while they're there, by the way. Can I just Oh, no, I, I would do that, surely, but um, <laughs> we can sing for that as well. Yeah. But, um you know, try putting me in jail and give me a PA for 24 hours a day. The state would say we couldn't afford that, so yeah, I'm <laughs> safe enough. You know. I, yeah. I just, I, it blows my mind that they're looking for this money off you, particularly that it wasn't your choice. And and you want to point that out again in case people think, you know, why didn't you get the car in Ireland? You know, and then you could have avoided that VRT. It isn't available to you because of your particular needs and your disability. It just isn't available to you. So you had no choice but to go abroad to get this particular car. When I say go abroad, it's across. The, it's only 200 miles, or 20, <laughs> 200 miles across the water. I know. 
but like you know, it's a, it's twenty something miles from from tip to tip of here to the UK. But I think, but you know, it's it's not even that. The the consequences for me are. I would love to go up to the north to visit my family at Easter. We can't do that now mm. because I wouldn't be allowed to bring my van back into the country. Um, we have our family holiday booked that we're going from the UK. We have our family holiday booked for July. We can't do that. When you say when you I say can't you, you can't come back across with your vehicle, I don't think anyone's going to stop you, Lee. Well, I think that they might because... They're the keeping English an eye on you, like. Yeah, well, no, the English licence plate, it's not very hard at the ports, at the customs, for them to look that up yeah. and see where it's from and how long it's been in Ireland without being registered in Ireland. I remember I, I had the same problem. I bought a vehicle going back a while ago, going back four years ago in the UK, and I remember that the procedure that you had to do it within 30 days. And I remember at the yeah. time, because they do it in the NCT centres, that's where they do it. Yeah. And I remember at the time, they couldn't give me a date within the 30 days because they were they were, had a backlog. And I ended up, it was like 35 days or something like that, and I eventually got it. And then they charged me, they penalised me and gave me a fine for not doing it within the 30 days, even though it wasn't my fault. And I had to ring the revenue and say, listen, this isn't my fault. Do you know what I mean? Get your act together, lads. So they eventually, got, I was credited back the money anyway in the end because it wasn't my fault. But this isn't your fault. It's Do you know not, what I mean? So it's, I it's not my fault. I did everything by the board. I did everything as I should have. I have all of my documentation there. I was told to go back to the VRT centre after the first time I was in the NCT place at the VRT. I was told, you'll get a text in a couple of days, come on back, we give you the number for your Irish place and you just go up the road there and get them. And I, I, I'll do you up a set of Irish place and you can stick them on it. I'll just make up a number. <laughs> Lee, look, you're, you know what, Lee? It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you. And I have no understanding of why you're in this predicament. And I hope they sort it out. And I hope some people or the powers to be or somebody is listening. And maybe we, maybe during the week, maybe I get, uh, well, it won't be unfortunately Ruth because she's leaving us today. But I get Jane or Trina or somebody to maybe contact the Department of Finance or contact somebody who may be able to do something. Good luck with that. I know, yeah. Good luck with us. But listen, thank you very much indeed, Lee, and it's been lovely talking to you. And I wish you well and have a have a lovely day, all right? Thank you very much. There you go. There's uh, Lee Garth, uh, who's had numerous problems when it comes to not just, I suppose, living in a world that's designed around able-bodied people, but uh, just getting a car, just to have that bit of independence for herself and her husband, who are both in a wheelchair, by the way. Um, and uh, the two of them, obviously... Uh, need to get this sorted out because the car is currently on British plates because they're looking for ridiculous amounts of money in VRT from her and she, sh- as far as I believe uh, she should be wavered not just from the VRT but from the VAT as well. She shouldn't have to pay it. Now she does get the €22,000 allowance by the way that, that comes you know, from being disabled to having your vehicle modified but she's been told she has to pay the 23100 VRT and 22000 charged in VAT or the other way around vice versa. Anyway, which the vehicle is going to cost her €90,000 and she's on British plates at the moment and she said she's not paying it. And she's right. I believe she's absolutely 100% right. She shouldn't be paying it. Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.